Welcome to How to Catholic with Kevin and Lisa Cotter, a podcast dedicated to helping you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence. Consecrated virginity might be the most misunderstood vocation in the Catholic Church. It's often mistaken for a call to the single life, but this vocation, which predates religious sisters and nuns, is actually quite the opposite. So what exactly is a consecrated virgin? Well, as we continue our four-part series on vocational discernment, today I interview Andrea Polito, who is one of only a few hundred consecrated virgins in the United States of America. And she happens to go to my parish. On the episode, we talk about the ins and outs of her unique vocation, and she shares some great tips for discerning whether or not you might be called to this vocation, too. Welcome to the How To Catholic Podcast. It's Lisa here sitting in my office, not with Kevin, but with a guest. And it's so fun to have somebody else sitting in the chair across from me. Across from me is a wonderful woman named Andrea. I should have asked this before. Polito? Polito. Polito. Okay, yep. very good. You got it. Very good. Oh, I'm so glad. So she is here as a guest for the third part of our four-part series on discernment because she has a very unique vocation that I am really excited to learn more about and to dive into and do an episode on. Andrea is a consecrated virgin for the Archdiocese of Denver. Okay, here's my first question. Okay. So when you become a consecrated virgin, is it for a particular diocese always? It is always for a particular diocese. Okay. So you are not necessarily required to stay there for the entirety of your life, but you always have to be connected to a diocese. Okay. There you go. That was my Mm -hmm. second question was, so can you move? Yes. (laughs) You can. Okay. But you're like, your home will always be Archdiocese of Denver. Okay. Exactly. Fantastic. And she's also a registered pediatric nurse. So a nurse in pediatric oncology. Yes. Okay. So oncology, is that blood related cancer 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 related yep so i work with kids with cancer and blood disorders at children's hospital here wow Mm -hmm. okay so that is really cool to me my dad actually passed away of a uh blood related cancer so i'm sorry oh yeah i know it's i mean it's kind of like womp womp starter here most (laughs) of our listeners probably know that about me um but that's a really cool connection to know that Mm -hmm. you are helping kids to Mm -hmm. be able to fight it so that that means a lot to me actually so thank you for your work of course yes and we will dive yeah and we'll dive into a little bit like oh wait she's a consecrated version who has a job Mm -hmm. so okay we'll get to that so you're originally (laughs) from san diego yes youngest of five yep loud and proud italian family yes that's an important factor right there. Very important, yes. yes. <laughs> it will explain your personality right there. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yes. Very good. And you have been consecrated since, I love this, this the Feast of St. Mary Magdalene, which is July 22nd, 2017. Yes. And so coming on two years. Two years. Mm-hmm. And I remember because, I, well, I remember my first encounter with you mm-hmm. was at, was it like a celebratory mass the week after? Yeah, it was the day after, actually. The day. Mm-hmm. Wow. Because my, obviously, Archbishop Aquila does the consecration, um, but there are so many priests that were so important to me, and I really wanted to have kind of a celebratory mass for my family that was all in town, and then to be able to have my former director preach and kind of at the parish and everything, so we did it the day after at Our Lady of Lords. Okay, and I remember that because we came and we were like, something's going on. Right. <laughs> like, just the parking lot. Right. Enough, and then the entrance song, there's like all these priests. And uh-huh. you're like, what is going yeah. on? Yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of a fun surprise. Yeah. And it was all of our pastor's good friends, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. A bunch of the priests. Mm-hmm. So it was a really cool thing to kind of stumble upon. Yeah. Because um, we had not met you before that, so, mm-hmm. or heard of you or anything. Yeah, um, and it was, I wanted my family who had come into town and who were maybe waffling in their faith to like have a kind of closer encounter with all of those priests and the whole parish life and everything because it's just so moving to see all of them definitely normal friends up there so right Mm -hmm. yeah it was a very beautiful mass I remember tearing up I'm like I don't even know her (laughs) 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 this is so special (laughs) so okay so let's let's first start off with consecrated virgin okay because I think there's a lot of misunderstandings about your Mm -hmm. vocation Mm -hmm. so let me ask a couple common questions okay Okay. so first of all as a consecrated single I think most people would that's what they would say they would say oh she's a consecrated single right 
that's what that is. The single life, right? Like we choose right. like married, religious or single, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's quite right, but I'm going to let you explain it. Cause you know it better than I do. Yeah. So that's definitely not right. So I would say, um, the way that I like to explain it better rather than thinking of, uh, like what'd you say? Priests, marriage or single or like religious, religious life, life priests or married life or single. I would say the church gives us three states of life, which are, uh, the lay state, the, or the religious state and the priestly state. Those are what, that's what the church would give us. So Ah. under the religious state, you have religious priests, religious nuns. Um, so like Jesuits would be religious priests would be in the religious state, but the priestly state is like our diocesan priests. Those are like what they used to call like worldly priests. So they're not in religious life, but they are priests. Mm -hmm. So that's the middle, that's the priestly state. And then you have the lay state, which is everybody else. So you have married people, you have consecrated lay people, you have single people who are kind of waiting for their vocation or waiting to kind of go into a different place. Um, So I like to explain it that way because then it helps you to see that it's basically like, are you in the world or are you out of the world? Mm. And that's where the vocation kind of sits. So under the lay state, you have married people and where the majority of people are, majority of people are called to marriage. Um, and then you have consecrated people. Now it's like a whole nother podcast to explain like all (laughs) of the facets of consecrated life, but consecrated virginity is under there. And by nature of consecration, consecration is, um, is in particularly consecrated virginity is a spousal union with Christ. It's every, whenever consecrated virginity is described, it's always described in using the language of marriage and Mm. spousal, bridal, Mm -hmm. maternal, all of these things, maternity, spiritual motherhood, being a spouse of Christ, all of these things. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you say consecrated single, you're kind of dumbing it down Mm -hmm. to, for what it is, because I am not single. I'm wed. I'm just married to Christ. I'm like in a, in a spousal relationship with him. Um, so, and in particular consecrated virginity, if I decided in, this is like the number one question I get from my coworkers, like, what if you meet Mr. Right in five years? (laughs) Like, do you just get to change your mind? I'm like, no, you know, and I of course want to say, well, if you meet Mr. Right and he's not your husband in five years, do you get to change your mind? But that's a, not a a safe question to (laughs) ask people outside of the church who believe in marriage. So, um, I think I could say that to you who is obviously committed to your marriage. You know, if you met another person who you were found yourself attracted to in five years, does that mean you get to leave your family? No, you have to work through that and make a choice, you know? And so Mm -hmm. I am, um, it's one of the, it's, it's such a rich vocation because it's one of the oldest vocations in the church. Mm. So, um, I actually did like a little brush up before I came here so that I could give you like real facts, but, um, so it's basically like, in the second century, like, I mean, when the church was still really young and we don't even have writing on specifics from the early, early church, although they believe like St. Justin Martyr even wrote about some of this in his writings. And he obviously wrote right after Jesus died. So there were these women who basically wanted to give, like give their life to Christ, um, Mm -hmm. in a profound way. Um, but at the time there was no way to do it. Religious orders didn't exist. Nuns didn't exist. Like, you know, you're just, this is like the underground church, you know, just rocking it and converting souls and all this stuff, you know, that we know based on all the lives of the saints. And that's when it was born. So when you hear about the order of virgins or sacred virgins or holy virgins, Mm -hmm. and you hear in the Roman canon, you know, about Agatha and Agnes and Cecilia, these were all part of the order of virgins. These were all just women who wanted to give their life to Christ. And this was the form they did it. So you're like the forerunner of the religious vocation in the sense of like religious communities and things. Right. And historically this vocation really kind of, um, was, was really big. And then it kind of tapered off a little bit. It in, in, in like several middle centuries, you know, of the church because of religious life and because Mm -hmm. of the way that the church kind of went. And it really was just, 
kind of reborn um, in like the 1920s. They kind of re wow. re in like in the last 120 years or so, they've really redone the rite of consecration to really kind of go back to the roots of it. And um, and and it's kind of cool to see like the nature of our church is um, we're flexible in the sense of we obviously our morality and those kinds of things aren't changing, but we are flexibly moving with what the world needs in order to be converted in order to know Christ. Mm. Um, and so I think that, um, there has been kind of a rebirth of lay consecrated life for that sake because of the secularity of the world. And I Mm -hmm. think that that is part of the kind of revamping of this right and the kind of pull towards consecrated virginity. People are talking about it a lot more and more women, younger women are doing it. Um, I think is really just like an answer to the church, to the needs of the world that the church need to provide. So, yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. It does. Yeah, no, it definitely does. Do you know, I have so many questions that are like popping up in my mind as you talk. (laughs) Do you know how many there are? Yeah, I wrote it down actually. Oh, we have a number. We have a number as of 2015. Okay. So So you're not even in that four years ago. I'm not in this. So there's (laughs) at least one, two more because I have a good friend who's a consecrated virgin. Oh, cool. Um, there are 4,000, as of 2015, there were 4,000 in the world. Um, and wow. the most being in Italy and France. And there's only 254 in 2015 in the U.S. Wow. Do you so, guys have a gathering ever? So there is like a an association. I've actually never been to it. Um, and they, I think they meet once a year. Um, but they have this like pre-retreat you're supposed to go on before you become a consecrated virgin which I didn't know about and then I was a consecrated virgin and and like the requirement on like the the actual you know if you're like a quote-unquote consecrated virgin like you really are one you know that you have to like prove that you've gone to this other one and I was like I don't really know what to do because I've never been that's hilarious (laughs) you're like archdiocese where were you at it's really funny um but I think there, I mean, consecrated virginity is challenging because I would say challenging for me, uh, because I would say the majority of consecrated virgins are probably at least 30 or 40 years older than me. Okay. So there's not, so kind of hit a peak. Yeah. It's not a very young, uh, young. a young vocation. Gotcha. So, and then, okay. So more questions. So do you live alone then or do you have roommates? So I used to live alone up until about a month ago and now I have oh. a roommate. Yeah. Um, and it really, um, it's, it, it, there isn't like a rule. Um, consecrated virgins are, um, responsible for themselves. Like it, I mean, I have to support myself. I have a job as you said earlier. Um, and there isn't, you, you don't have to live alone. Um, but the, they kind of talk about it as if, how can you best live out your vocation? Mm -hmm. Um, and the vocation, the primary role of a consecrated virgin is prayer, Mm. um, prayer for the diocese, prayer for the priests of the diocese, um, and, and intercessory support for the local church. That's really the number one mission. Mm. So most consecrated virgins live alone. Um, I, my move in with a roommate and she's not a consecrated virgin. She's fabulous. Um, just another Catholic woman. Mm-hmm. And, um, for me, I moved in with her more out of, um, desire to have a roommate. Cause I, it, I'm an extrovert and I have lived alone for like seven years now. Mm. Um, and also to just practically speaking, just to save money in yeah. a lovely yeah, expensive sure. city of Denver. Ugh. Um, so, but, um, there are, I think, some people who live in community who have roommates. Uh, no, historically, consecrated virgins lived with their families. Oh. Um, and more so, I think, out of necessity, because back yeah. in the day, you just you wouldn't have been able to support yourself if you right. lived alone. Yeah, and, no rights, really. And, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so there's it's it's open ended, you know. Yeah. Whether you want to live in community or not, so. Okay, so now two more questions have come to mind. Yeah. This is, I'm like, are we even going to get these <laughs> <laughs> We will. This might be a longer episode, so um, just uh, buckle up, friends. Okay. <laughs> so one is, do you have, like, a superior then that you report to ever? 
Not uh, in the same sense as a religious. Yeah. So, like, so yeah, like, do you answer to anyone? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Not really. Okay. Uh, which is kind of funny. I answer to Christ. I mean, obviously. <laughs> sure, yeah. um, if if I were, I always say, because people are always like, are you, because the we live the councils of poverty, chastity, obedience. Though, okay. We, you know, that's like That was another part, question I had. Mm-hmm, okay. So that's part of, you don't consecrated virgins don't take vows of poverty, poverty, chastity, obedience, but it's implied in the nature of consecration. But obviously that's going to look different when you live in the world and, or in a convent, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially with poverty, it's just going to look different. Yep. Um, so people always ask me like, are you in o- under obedience to the Bishop? And I was, and I, my answer is always, um, if I were to go rogue, then yes, <laughs> he would be the one to, you know, tell me to stop or, you know, get, get with it. Um, if suddenly I decided I wanted to like become a priest or something crazy, you know, he Priestess. would, he would be the one who would be responsible for me, mm. but he does not have the authority to t- say, I want you to leave children's hospital and go do this, or I want you to move here. Or he mm-hmm. could of course ask me to do anything, you know, and, and I hope that we have that relationship, but it's not the same kind of obedience as, um, you know, we need missionaries here and you're in this order. I'm sending you here for three years or I'm sending you here for five or that kind of thing. Yep. Um, I, I feel, I f- feel weird saying I feel obedient, but I, um, I have given my spiritual director, I guess, kind of the authority mm. to tell me things that, you mm-hmm. know, if he were to ever want, he's never put me under obedience for anything, you know, but, yeah. um, I would certainly take it very seriously if he did. Yeah. Um, and he was I, like, I'm seeing this in right. you. This isn't good for your exactly. spirituality. Yeah. I want you to do this. Absolutely. I will pretty much do anything he says because he's amazing. Um, so it's not not in the same sense, I think, as we think obedience. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, spiritual poverty, a commitment to, to perpetual virginity, and then obedience in in the sense of faith and in the sense of relationship with Christ, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So it's a lot yeah. less concrete, which for me sometimes is really hard because I, I like, I don't, love rules because i i like to bend them but i also really like rules because i like having something to bend you know i like knowing <laughs> i not like knowing where the line the is you can break them yeah kind of but those kinds of rules i would definitely follow you know so yeah. um but it is i think because of the nature of living in the world and being consecrated it's it there aren't a lot of kind of concrete, very solid things. And that's true, not just for consecrated virginity, but for all of the forms of lay consecrated life, Mm -hmm. canon law, all the church documents, all these things. It's a lot less, um, concrete than religious life. Mm -hmm. So that makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then the other thought, another, another question. Uh So you said your primary vocation is, is prayer. Like, Mm -hmm. are you uh, like the call is Mm -hmm. like for prayer. So Mm -hmm. what does your prayer life look like then? So really simple. I mean, I, um, one of the commitments you make during the actual rite of consecration is to pray the liturgy, the hours, Oh, you do? Okay, um, cool. But we are more, um, more like, I think deacons are like this as well. Uh, the only like hard, fast stop rule is morning and evening prayer with the encouragement of everything else, depending mm. on your job and your ability. Right. Like if you're in the middle of a shift, you can't just be exactly. like, excuse me. Exactly. <laughs> it's midday prayer. Right. Right. <laughs> so, um, so I, I start my day every day with a holy hour. Um, and then do the liturgy hours. Most of the time at work, I don't do the midday, but the rest I do. Um, but really that's it. And then it's kind of like the kind of idea that I guess that's it. Like in terms of the kind of, um, distinguished time of prayer. Right. Uh, basically like what the call is of a consecrated virginity is that you have, um, you're in the world but you are espoused to Christ, which gives you a radical availability to mm. do anything mm-hmm. um, that he's asking of you. So that's why, you know, that one of the reasons priests aren't married, that's one of the reasons I'll never get married, is that it's it's not that 
there's anything wrong with that. It's that I have no husband and no children to, to worry about. They're not a priority and that I have this radical availability to be conscious and follow what Christ is asking of me in those moments. And Mm so really the, the, the designated times of prayer are kind of designed to create a disposition of docility in order to make the rest of the day a prayer, Mm -hmm. you know, whether that's a conversation or an interaction or, you know, actual prayers throughout the day, you know, it just kind of depends. So, and this is like a really great, beautiful thing I'm saying. I mean, I fail at this like constantly, you know, (laughs) I'm like, Oh wow, that was a great opportunity that I just totally missed because I'm hungry or I'm angry or stressed or whatever. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So, um, but so again, there's not other than the liturgy of the hours, there's not like a huge a rule a rule of like i need to see you doing a holy hour every day it's kind of yeah i'm accountable to myself yeah and my spiritual director obviously yeah such a unique vocation i love it yeah i I love it i i wish that there were more i wish that this was something like every parish had some you know consecrated yeah um virgins because i think it's so beautiful because you have a witness in the world that. I think um, if you had on a habit would look different and people would approach you differently. Right. And And that was a big discernment piece for me was thinking about like when I was kind of discerning where to go, it was the, the actual thing that changed my mind was like meditating on myself, walking into children's hospital in a habit Mm -hmm. versus myself walking into children's hospital in a pair of scrubs. And I was like, I can't, this is not right. Like I'm not supposed to have, I'm, I'm not supposed to have that barrier mm-hmm. between these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what pushed me towards lay consecrated life rather than religious. Mm-hmm. So it, it is very unique. <clears throat> it also would be really nice sometimes to have a habit on, um, mm. just to have that kind of knowledge of what you are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, cause you probably have to explain it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you have a ring and it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. But it also, it like, it's so hard. It's so funny because in the Catholic world, you can say I'm a consecrated virgin. They'll be like, oh, I've never heard of that, but what is that like? And it's a little easier, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, like the language of the church, if people know the language of the church, you can usually explain it for what it really is. Mm-hmm. Um, at work, it's like this, i really discovered like early on um this just like really funny glazed over look that people get when you start talking (laughs) about it and so they're like and then I'm like you know I'm kind of like a nun but in the world yeah and they're like oh yeah totally I'm like forget it it's like not remotely appropriate or right but it's not worth the conversation for people have no idea what you're talking about (laughs) well because when like so you can't see Andrea right now but like I just love it. Like you, you're not at all like what you would think. Like you have tattoos, you have a nose right, ring. Right, <laughs> like, right. You're super stylish. I was like, look at that outfit. Like, <laughs> like, dang, I've got like my jeans and my t-shirt on. And like, she's, she's adorable. Um, well, when you go to someone's house as a guest, you have to like put in a little bit of an effort, you know? So <laughs> no, it's great. No, but I love it. It's just, it's like, it's a, you're such a sign that I feel like, uh, really is contradictory you know mm-hmm. like yeah oh like you live for christ but you also like like live in the world you're not of the world but like you live in the world mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. which gets a little dicey sometimes it's like the yeah. the there's a woman who i love who has taught me a lot about living consecrated life her name is madeline debrell and she was a a unofficial consecrated woman during world war ii in france and mm. um And she was, she writes, she was a writer, um, and a social worker, but she writes a lot about this, like that the whole life of a consecrated person in the world, um, is a life lived towing this line Mm. and trying to stay on it rather than falling on either side. Mm -hmm. Um, but really needing to stay, borderline like falling over into the world or not you know and yeah and something I say to my director all the time is that I really struggle with is I'm I'm like I'm too worldly for the pious and I'm too pious for the worldly and I don't really know Mm. like I'm always offending someone Mm. because of these kinds of like misconceptions of 
what a Catholic is, you know, in the world or what a consecrated, you know, quote unquote, consecrated woman should look like in Mm -hmm. the church. And so that line is, is real. And I think priests tow it as well, but I think that the, um, the collar really changes the dynamic of Mm -hmm. where, where they are on that line. Um, and so I think that's what I mean sometimes when I'm like, Oh, I wish I had a habit. Cause at least it would feel like the moments where I'm like, I'm like, really, I don't know where I'm falling here. Yeah. Um, that at least it would kind of be visible, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. that might help, but you know, it's yeah. not, not the way it is. So <laughs> we'll never know. So now I just wear really big earrings and think about more tattoos. So <laughs> <laughs> that's how I console myself. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. It's so great. Um, and I'm sure that there are women listening to this who are like, wait, this exists. Like, yeah. I would have never thought that, like God could fulfill these desires that mm-hmm. I have in my heart in this way. Mm-hmm. So if this is you and you're listening and you're like, yeah, like I, that's the kind that I feel drawn to that. I just didn't know that was ex- existed. Mm-hmm. We're going to spend some time talking about how do we practically finally mm-hmm. get into the practical. Yes. <laughs> how do we practically, how do you practically discern this kind of vocation or mm-hmm. be open to it? If you do feel a stir on your heart or mm-hmm. you do wonder, yeah, nothing has felt right so far. I haven't felt called to, religious life I haven't felt called to marriage or maybe you know I haven't found somebody to be called to marriage because maybe God's calling you to a different vocation that maybe you haven't yet considered Mm -hmm. so I'm very excited okay wait one more quick question because I think it's just a simple yes or no yeah is there a male equivalent of this no okay that's what I thought Mm -hmm. there's consecrated men um and there are like under when I was talking earlier about the lay state and having like lay consecrated people there's like several branches under that. Would so, a deacon be under that? No, okay. um, because a deacon is ordained. I mean, I, not under like, I don't know. That's actually a great question. I know. In, I don't know the answer to that. In high school, it was like so simple. It's like, there's three states of vocation. Right. Right. <laughs> and it gets like, more complex no, when you it's get way into more it. complex. But it's more um, like secular institutes, societies of apostolic life, which people in Denver know, like the Sotolitium, that's mm-hmm. a, that's a society of apostolic life. And mm-hmm. you have like priests, you have lay men, you have lay women. So more mm-hmm. of the communities have more men, mm-hmm. um, but not consecrated virginity itself, um, is only for women. Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. Now I had this really great lead in, but I still have one more question. Okay. <laughs> going? So the single life, this is a big debate I feel like Catholics like to have. Of, uh-huh. Is the single life a vocation? So let's say I'm I'm 25, I'm not married, mm-hmm. I'm not consecrated. Is that a legit vocation or is that just a state you're in and your real vocation is to come? I, I don't think it is a vocation. Um, okay. And honestly, the whenever I talk about this, I actually quote Father Brian um, that nice. I heard at, I, I am going to butcher like exactly what he said, but, and he, he basically said, um, every heart longs to be vowed. Mm-hmm. Like the human heart is, is created to be vowed and desires to be vowed. Mm-hmm. So I think that, um, that that's true. Uh, and I think that the Lord has created us for communion and we see that everywhere in the church, um, in, in more than just community, but communion with a person. So whether that's with him, whether that's with a spouse, um, it doesn't matter, but it's like the, (laughs) (laughs) sorry. So one of the joys of my office (laughs) It, there's it's on the it's on the ground level and there's a window to the backyard the kids are all in the backyard kevin's out of town because um, this is the insanity of my life and so my son is outside holding up my infant son to the window he's very cute yeah they're both very so cute they're watching us currently <laughs> um, sorry to distract you no it's great so we all long to vow yes and so we what i think is that um the more that i when i started discerning this vocation the big work of it, a lot of it was really studying all of these different vocations and understanding them, understanding what they are, what they mean, how they're lived out and, and to really discern my own. Yeah. Um, and what I've come to the conclusion to basically is that, um, there really is something for everyone. Mm. And so I think that there is a temptation to, especially if you're discerning, 
marriage and nothing is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's like, um, like, oh, I, I'm just called to be single. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that if there's any amount of despair, then I don't think that's a vocation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if there's not despair and if that, if there's a longing in that of like, I'm called to be single, you know, like mm. I feel really convicted of this. Well, then you're called to be a spouse to Christ in some way, because mm. that's what that longing is. It's projecting you into a deeper relation. You're still mm-hmm. longing for a relationship, mm-hmm. but that longing you're, you're having is for Jesus. And so, um, and there is like, there are so many ways to do that, even if it's a private vow, but mm-hmm. this kind of like idea of, kind of floating out there. And I, I've mm-hmm. heard people say like, I'm a generous, I'm living the life of a generous single. I'm like, you can be generous, but be espoused to someone, mm-hmm. you know? And now that I'm consecrated, I think especially for women, um, obviously I am one, so I can really only speak for myself, but, mm-hmm. um, I think that a woman's heart really comes to life in a new way when she belongs to someone and is loved Mm, exclusively and intimately. I think there is something because even like five and a half years of discernment and then Mm. being consecrated, there was like a change of Mm -hmm. like there, this is like a real commitment and Mm -hmm. I, that I made to Christ and he made to me, Mm -hmm. um, in this act in, in this consecration. And there was something really beautiful and freeing about that. And I think that that's what you're kind of missing out on um, when you decide to be single for the sake of being single. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's what came to my mind is like, there's got to be a freedom in that choice. Like, Mm -hmm. as opposed to just feeling like you're floating and you Mm -hmm. don't know where you're headed or you don't know what's next and... I imagine for a lot of women, it, it's a scary thing to make that commitment because mm-hmm. it's like, well, but what if God does bring me a spouse one day? Right, right. Which I'm sure went through your mind, but right. like, there's got to be a freedom and like that decision's been made. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going mm-hmm. to stress myself out for right. the rest of my life wondering, Right. but I'm going to choose the path that brings me joy and mm-hmm. I'm just going to commit to it. Mm-hmm. So, and I know. think that the, w- the, uh, the thought of, um, the thought of, you know, what if someone comes, if, if I am discerning consecrated life to fill time, (laughs) (laughs) then I shouldn't be discerning consecrated life, you know? And, um, and so I think it's, you know, I, I started discerning this when I was 26. And so I'm like, yeah, I still, I'm not, not human. I still notice like attractive men and think about like, what would my kids look like and what mm-hmm. am I going to miss out on? You know, but I, but it's a choice. I'm making a choice mm-hmm. to say, yeah, that's a good looking guy. And I'm, but I'm choosing to pursue consecrated life. And therefore I can acknowledge the beauty and move on, you know, rather than right. do, do I need to see if anything's going to happen or do yeah. I need to like flirt a convert, you know, have a conversation and put on the flirting, whatever. It's like, that's not, yep. it's like when you are in a relationship with a man and he's at your side, you're not going to start flirting with another guy. Right. You know? So same yeah. idea. So it's all the same for me being married. Mm-hmm. Like you don't stop being attracted to people. Right. Because you're in your permanent vocation. Right. <laughs> like, right. Still, it would be nice if like nice? all of these like little vices we have just That's disappeared right. when That's you're right. in your vocation. Your passions just like yeah. temper themselves. Right. That'd be awesome. Yeah. But not, 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 not how it works. Not doesn't. Yeah. Definitely doesn't work that way. Okay. Okay, we got to get to the practicals. Okay, got it. <laughs> okay, so I love these. So she, uh, Andrea has five tips for us for pursuing, or not pursuing, for discerning this particular vocation. Mm-hmm. And I love your first one. Your first one is chill the heck out. Yes, chill <laughs> the heck out. Um, I am a total spaz of a woman. Um, I'm like very <laughs> emotional, very extroverted. When things are going bad, good, excited, sad, there's always tears and there's always like a lot of, you know, like telling people and, you know, it's just like, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty dramatic. Um, it's just the Italian. So this was really big for me of like, I just need to relax because this Mm -hmm. for me, when I started discerning, it was a real, um, like graced moment for me of, of kind of, having this encounter with St. Mary Magdalene and realizing that I wanted to be like her. Like I wanted to have like a relationship with Christ the way that she did, you know? Mm. Um, and it was terrifying cause it wasn't expected. 
I was not, I have never, I was never one of those people who, when I was, you know, 10 had this moment where I thought I was going to be a nun or anything. I was like marriage all the way, just waiting for him to come. And then all of a sudden it was like, whoa, this is crazy. Um, but I, the, the temptation, and this is where I think it gets really practical. Like don't, don't radically change your life because you feel a radical call. Mm. because I think that that's the temptation is like you have this encounter and then you're like, I need to do all of these things. I need to sell everything. I need to move. I need to do three holy hours every day. I need to like all of these things. And then it's like, eventually you're going to get really tired because that's not the way that your life has been. And the Lord is going to work through. It's like, I know that this is like jumping to three, but I think maybe we just change the order. Sure. Go like for it. One, Do you want to go into number two? Number number three, or, or sorry, no, number four. <laughs> <laughs> that should have been number two. Um, so number the new number two is is live your life in all its ordinary glory. Like those kind of go hand in hand of like of trusting that if you feel called to a lay consecrated vocation, that he's going to work in your lay stateness of life. You know, he's going to work mm-hmm. in your job. He's going to work in your grocery shopping and your car maintenance and your fun things and your friendships and all of these things. So like moving kind of away from the radical freak out mm-hmm. and kind of just take a breath, chill mm-hmm. the heck out and kind of be ordinary Yeah, with a little, with like kind of fostering a little more docility of how how is the lord working right now um and so sorry i kind of uh, hijacked that and went to the second one but i think like the um live your life in all its ordinary glory it's you know sleep well eat well exercise Mm -hmm. have a routine if you have a an intense job do it do it well go to work every day and and be a good steward of what you have Um, because the biggest challenge I think in the lay consecrated life is the fact that the greatest fruit of your vocation is not something you're probably ever going to notice. Yeah. There's going to be moments of grace of recognizing, oh, this is actually fruit of my vocation. But I think I can probably count on one hand how many times that's happened, Mm -hmm. um, in, seven and a half years mm-hmm. of discerning this and now living it. So, um, so kind of just like staying in the concrete, being faithful to the little things, um, and, and really trusting that, that God is really working in those like ordinary yeah. moments of your life. Yeah. That makes sense because if you completely flip out and just like follow the emotional, like freak out, like mm-hmm. it's going to be really hard to hear like what's me, what's God. Right. Like, cause right. you're just caught in the weeds of your own thoughts, mm-hmm. but just, yeah, take a deep breath and like keep moving forward. And like the Lord will keep pursuing you if that's mm-hmm. your call. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, you make a good point about like the just emotions. Like if you're like me at all, um, I'm just like, again, I said a total spaz and super emotional. And so for me, it's really important to like constantly I'm being told like stay in the concrete live in Mm -hmm. reality stop trying like when you feel your thoughts kind of going to places things that haven't happened or possibilities that could be happening you know oh my gosh what if God is calling me to be a nun what if God's calling me to be a lay consecrated this is going to be so hard and it's like okay what has he called me to today yeah today I have to get up and brush my teeth and pray and go to work and take care of my patients. And then I need to come home and eat dinner and go to bed, you know, it's, and, and trust that that's really all you need to do mm. and trust that the Lord's going to work in that. Yeah. Oh, that's freeing right there. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, number one and two here, chill the heck out and live your life in all its ordinary glory. Mm-hmm. Love it. Okay. So we're going to quickly take our mid show break here. And this is when we give our hack, our Catholic hack. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to throw up a listener suggestion from Kelly. I, we have not done a listener suggestion hack in a while, which reminds me to tell you, if you do have Catholic hacks, please send them to us at hello at made to magnify. Com. We love hearing from y'all. We love your Catholic hacks. So here's what Kelly has to say. She says, I'm loving your podcast and the practical tips. 
Thank you, Kelly. I heard a happiness hack from Happier with Gretchen Rubin's podcast today, and I'm going to start using it with a Catholic spin to it. Now, if you're not familiar with Gretchen Rubin's podcast, Happier, it's one of my favorite podcasts. It's totally secular, but it's basically a podcast on how do you incorporate happiness into your life using the wisdom of the ages as well as modern things as well. So anyways, Sounds okay, great. Yeah, it is. I really <laughs> enjoy it. I really do enjoy it. All right. So Kelly goes on to say, they suggest putting a long or inconvenient password on your iPhone if you want to cut down on screen time. So today I changed my screen password to our father. I'm hoping that not only will this added step make it less convenient to access my phone mindlessly, but also having a password related to my faith will A, get me to say more Our Father prayers throughout the day, and B, remind me about my priorities. You could also do Hail Mary, Glory Be, God First, etc. So Kelly, thank you for this hack. I love it. I think that we all are aware of the ways in which our phones can become addictions and can distract us from what we should really be doing. So the idea of making it less convenient to get on your phone is one, smart. And two, I love the Catholic spin to it of putting in something that just is a slight reminder throughout the day of where should my focus be? Once I get onto my phone, am I going to do something that's going to glorify God? It's like a, it's like a passcode to even like let you access your phone. So Fantastic idea, Kelly. I hope that you all incorporate that, pull out your phones, and change your screens right now. Your screen locks. There we go. <laughs> all right. So that is our Catholic hack for this episode. Let's get back to looking at five tips, which we finally got into. <laughs> five tips for discerning your vocation, in particular looking at the consecrated single life. We already did tip number one and number two. So let's go to, quote, tip number Two, even though it's, yeah. Now three. <laughs> now three. Yes. Which is to pray every day. Yes. Um, so as I said, consecrated virginity, the mission of a consecrated virgin is prayer for the diocese. So obviously we know that praying is good no matter what. Even if you're not discerning a vocation to consecrated virginity, it's still a good habit to get into. Absolutely. Um, but I think in particular for this vocation... Um, it has to be the center of your life. So if it, I think that this is, um, can get tricky because, um, depending on your schedule, depending on how your life works, you have to incorporate it into that in whatever way is possible. So what I would say is, um, is be really, uh, patient with yourself because I think that sometimes people, start discerning vocation in a moment of conversion. And so you may have never had this as a habit before, and mm -hmm. you might really fail if you are like, I'm going to do a holy hour in front of the blessed sacrament every day, starting tomorrow. Right. And then you get there and you're like, I don't really know what to do. And this is pretty boring. And I just fall asleep every time. Um, so start small. Um, I would say get in the habit of praying for like real kind of silent, focused prayer for 10 minutes a day and increase mm -hmm. that every week or every month or whatever is going to work for you. Um, for me, if I don't pray in the morning, it won't happen because mm. I just get progressively more tired and grouchy as the day goes on. And mm -hmm. so whenever I think I'm going to pray in the afternoon or after work, I'm, it never happens. So I think knowing yourself, figuring out what is going to work for you, in terms of time and time in terms of place. Um, it eventually that what I have learned is that I've really had to incorporate prayer, um, and change my expectations of what prayer are because of work and different things. Sometimes I, I can't do a designated holy hour in the morning if I have to be there early because I'd have to get up at 4am and I know that I can't be a functional human when I get up at 4am and you kind of have an important job, right? You need to I need to be like focused <laughs> and alert. So I think that praying every day, um, be, be realistic with yourself. What does that mean for you? What can you actually do? And then do what you know. So if you are someone who has already really developed a love for scripture and you really like Lexio Divina, or you just like reading the Psalms, do that. Don't try and do something different. Um, and, and again, this kind of goes with the whole theme of trusting that all of the things that you already do are the ways that Christ is going to help you encounter your vocation in a deeper way. 
because there is no difference in my life now than there was five years into discernment because I'm living an ordinary worldly life. So mm-hmm. the the things that are different are internal and they're being born out of prayer. They're being born out of grace, but they're not necessarily being born out of radical life changes in a daily routine. So, yeah. so I think, um, again, this kind of incorporates with everything, you know, chill out and do what you can in mm-hmm. prayer, but do it every day mm-hmm. to develop that habit and, and really become dependent on it. That I think that's the, the key is that for the first two years of living this life, prayer was something that I did and that was really good and really helpful, but I really had to like tell myself I needed to do it every day. Mm, yeah. And then there was a point where it became so habitual and so good that I missed it when I, when I didn't do it. That's wow. Yeah. And so I think that, but that doesn't happen right away. Mm-hmm. So don't have the expectation that that will, but mm-hmm. kind of, it's just like working out, you know, yeah. you're sore, you know, your lactic acid is, is built up and you really don't want to walk anymore, but you have to. So just keep going. Yeah. Oh, that's such a beautiful way of explaining prayer every day. Cause I think that obviously for every vocation, like we need to be praying to understand the vocation, but I love how it's, there's, there's a great connection there of like, listen, like this is part of the call. So mm-hmm. like build that habit now. Mm-hmm. And like right. that's going to be part of helpful as going to be helpful for your discernment. Like, yep. Start doing now what you would be doing when you live that life and right. see if that brings joy. Right. Which obviously it did for you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it did. It did. Okay. Let's look at number four, which you've already multiple times mentioned your spiritual director. Yes. And I have a spiritual director and I mention her all the time too. Mm-hmm. So perfect advice here. Get a spiritual director. Tip mm-hmm. number four. Tell me about your experience with it. Um, I think that when I was thinking about this in preparation for this podcast, I was trying to think of like, what, what is the like number one reason I think that you need a spiritual director? And I think that the biggest thing is that you should never be discerning a vocation by yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think, and that just goes back to Christ called us to communion and he called us to community. He called us to the church. So we don't, and this can be super overwhelming, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's no reason to do it by yourself and just be sitting at home thinking, oh my gosh, like, how am I going to live this? Um, that's what they're there for. That right. is to, is even if, you know, a good spiritual director is not someone who just sits there and talks at you for an hour and tells you all the things you need to do. They're really just a sounding board and, and saying, oh, I see the Lord working here and I see him doing this. And I see that, you know, these things in your life could change in order to foster this, you know, it's not, it's not necessarily like a, you know, you're not going to counseling or something, you know, which isn't bad, but it's, it's like, it's different. Yeah. And so my experience with a spiritual director, I think, um, was twofold because I was introduced to this vocation through a priest, um, who then became my spiritual director. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know the lay consecrated life existed until I had talked to him, um, kind of in a moment of desperation. Is he the one who suggested that, <clears throat> that you look into it then? Yeah. That's so, awesome. And he, he suggested consecrated lay, lay in the lay state. And then it yeah. kind of developed into consecrated virginity over time. Gotcha. Um, but what we did, what he was really helpful with was, um, was kind of, you know, those moments where I'm like, I don't know what to do in prayer. I feel like I'm just sitting there and doing nothing. And he's like, okay, well, why don't we, why don't you work through these scriptures? Why don't you read this book and kind of meditate on these things? Um, Mm -hmm. We did a lot of study, which I think is really important with this vocation of learning of what the church says about consecrated virginity. And, um, and I think that I, I like made a note here, this has to do with the spiritual director, but not exactly, but for anyone who's discerning consecrated life at all, I think that, um, uh, the book and you are Christ, um, Mm -hmm. by Thomas Dubay is one of the most beautiful books of just kind of explaining what it means to be exclusively the Lord's. Okay, good. We'll put that in the show notes. (laughs) Yeah. So, Um, so we would do, you know, for spiritual direction for me, I would go to confession every time we met, um, cause I go to a priest, which is a bonus. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it was just learning a deeper vulnerable, like spiritual vulnerability, which then kind of helped me learn how to be more vulnerable with Christ. 
and mm-hmm. kind of help me to see the areas that I was really keeping hidden from the Lord because mm-hmm. of shame or wounds or fear or whatever. Um, but as you know, in a marriage, you don't get to hide those things. And if mm-hmm. you do, then it is really detrimental to your relationship. Yeah. And the same is true with consecrated virginity. So it was really helpful to, to have someone on the outside who could say, this seems connected here, or this seems to be a wound that you're projecting on the Lord in this way, you know, and to help Mm. to be able to kind of find those barriers that then I could break in order to live in a deeper intimacy with Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, and they'll, that never ends because we're always learning and growing and becoming more transparent with Christ if we're going deeper with him. And so, you know, I've been in direction for seven years and it's still sometimes like I had no idea. I had no idea I had that wound, but <laughs> obviously I do, you know? Yeah. And so, um, and for the sake of accountability mm-hmm. of, of kind of being able to go and look at a person and say, mm-hmm. I didn't pray this week at all is different than being in your bedroom and saying, Oh, I guess I didn't pray this week. You know, it's just a lot harder to say that to a person and it it's just a especially if you have a relationship with them for them to be able to say okay that's fine we just need to let's pick it up you know Mm -hmm. you fell off the wagon let's get back in Mm -hmm. and talk about how we can how I can support you doing that yeah which I think is really important yeah I think that's so smart I um I'm like that should have been on our list for marriage (laughs) spiritual direction which I did not have a spiritual director until like three years into marriage, something Mm -hmm. like that. And I mean, it just radically changed my, my spiritual life. Right. So it's amazing when you have someone, it's, it's so different looking in a mirror to like someone looking on the outside, you know, like, Whoa, that's a huge blind spot that I've never seen, you know? Yeah. Um, Nor did I want to see, but here we are. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Love it. I'm actually grateful, but it's (laughs) good for me. Very good. Okay. So our last tip here, number five, remember to follow your desires. Jesus does not ask us to enter vocations without a desire. Thank you for this. Tell me more. Well, this was really huge for me because I, one of the reasons I was never open, I think to anything was just my feeling of being in incapable of living a vocation other than marriage and really never having the desire to do it. Mm-hmm. And, um, my, the beginning of, um, the beginning of the, uh, discernment was really, um, a desire mm-hmm. was like looking at Mary Magdalene and thinking, I want to be like her. Mm. I actually desire that in my heart. So then that kind of led to thinking more about it and all of this stuff. So then it kind of led to the discernment. And then there, the, I always worried that, well, what if I don't want to do this? You know, Mm -hmm. is God going to call me to do this and I don't even want it, you know? Um, and, and then as I got, I remember distinctly, I was driving from my house, excuse me, to the Adoration Chapel at St. Thomas More, which is, I lived closer to there at the time. And I remember being so mad because I wanted to go to adoration. Like I remember thinking I actually want to go there. Um, and I am like, think like I am in my head. Sorry, my watch is going off for the Angelus. Um, <laughs> I remember thinking in my head, I desire this so much now that I would be actually denying something really big and that I know to be true if I actually said no to this. Mm. And I never thought I could get there. And so I was mad because there was a part of me that was like, I don't want to do this. This is like really hard uh-huh. and really confusing. And and it just sounds way nicer to come home to a nice Italian guy every night. You know, <laughs> yeah. that sounds great. And so... But I, but I was really, I actually still go back to that moment all the time yeah. of like, I really desire Christ. I really desire to live this and that, and he really moves in that and deepens that a lot so, more. So you're like mad 
the like you didn't want to want it but yeah you wanted exactly it. <laughs> exactly exactly it was like I I knew it was right I knew that I but I think at that point I knew I had hit the point of no return like I knew I had freedom to yeah. walk away I knew I was discerning it in freedom which is so important um but I knew that I would be denying something like deep if I had said no and I was mad about that yeah. I'm just kind of like a child sometimes <laughs> throwing a tantrum of like, ah, I don't want to do this, you know? Uh, so uh, yeah, um, we all though. <laughs> yeah. But, and I think that, um, like it, it's radical what the Lord can do with any kind of openness. Um, and if you are, if you have like a small, even a small desire, um, and you're just open, you're just like, okay, Lord, just take that desire and do what you want with it. I think you'll just be amazed at how how much he can use that and yeah. how much he can grow that w- in places that you wouldn't imagine that he would. Yeah, definitely. Oh, so good, so good. Thank you so much. This has been so enlightening for me. Like, I'm excited. Right. I'm like, who do I know <laughs> that I could tell? Like, have you explored this? Like, yeah. I know, like you're 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 feeling unsettled. I know you're mm-hmm. feeling like I don't know where God's leading me. Like. Maybe it's just that, like you, like you didn't know it was an option. Right, right. So um, if you get a text from me, <laughs> you'll know why. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think there are so many, like I told you earlier, I wrote an article or like a letter for the Catholic woman and they, and I got emails from people all over the world mm-hmm. in different, like all over the world, places I c- couldn't even have imagined who were like, I didn't know this existed, but this is, you know, I, I think this is something I need to look into. And it's like, even if you're just, even just discerning, um, discerning any vocation opens you up more to a deeper relationship with Christ. And so it's like, even if there is a little pull at all, just to take the time to even pray about it is Mm -hmm. so will change your life. Even if it leads you to marriage, you know, it's, it's just so good. Yeah. Cause then it makes your yes to whatever vocation you have Mm -hmm. even more real because it's more of a choice. Right. So do you, could I get that link from you so I can put it in the show notes yeah, to that article? Absolutely. Good. Okay. So check out the show notes for all that, as well as I'm also going to put Andrea has given me her email to give to you. I'll say it here, but I'll also put it in the show notes. It's a R P O L I T O 13 at gmail.com. If you have questions or you want to connect with her, yes, please, which is just so amazing that you're open to taking in questions from all over the world. Yeah, <laughs> of course. I will not deny the fact that I'm not always the quickest, but you will always get a response. It just might take me a little time. Perfect. <laughs> yes. And then if you're just not an emailer, she's also on Instagram. Same same thing. A-R-P-O-L-I-T-O-13 on Instagram. And um, you, you mentioned you're not very good at posting, but right. you but check I'm on it. there consistently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. You can connect with her there. Okay. So last thing, why don't you give us the how to challenge for this episode? Yes. Um, I'm going to look and see what I actually wrote down. Cause it's definitely better than what I had in my head. Um, so my, the how to challenge is live your daily life with Christ with a focus on being rather than doing. So be yourself with Christ and see what he does rather than trying to do things in order to get him to move. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll be blown away. Love it. Such a great state of mind to live in. I think it would bring so much peace to all of us if we yes. could capture that. So that's what you want to strive for. included. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Right. I know. It's always like every time I give any kind of like spiritual wisdom or advice, I'm always like, just so you know, I'm not perfect with this. Right. Right. But that doesn't make it less truthful. Yes, so. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for being in the studio quote unquote yes no this my is office. great yeah yeah thanks for putting having up, me yeah putting up with my kids in the window so i love it you know they did come back we just didn't mention it. <laughs> <laughs> all right well that is our show for today thank you for listening in if you want to connect with kevin or i our email is hello at made to magnify.com now i just have to say this kevin or me i just uh grammatical that was gonna drive me nuts just admit it all right <laughs> You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Kevin is at Kevin R. Cotter. I am at Lisa Ann Cotter, and that is Ann with no E. As always, if you have enjoyed the show, please give it a rating on iTunes, add it to your podcast subscriptions, tell a friend. All these little things help us get the word out about How To Catholic. Until next week, be saints. It's worth it. It's worth it.